0: hope you're doing well this morning it's uh, great to see you hope you got some sleep last night we have a golden retriever sandy and she was having a nervous breakdown next to our bed last night but we we got through it together <laughs> if, if for those of you're visiting for the first time we we are really delighted you're with us we hope you sense a warm welcome I was looking at the monthly temperature averages for Beijing this week and the good news is that temperatures on an upward trend and for my southern blood that is very very good news I know some of you guys are Eskimos from the northern countries of the world but I am not so I'm excited about the coming of March. In the late 1800's Many immigrants from around the world uh, were immigrating to the U.S., and one of the largest groups were a group of Italians, uh, and one of the groups of the many Italians that came to the States during that particular period were from a small community about 100 miles southeast of Rome called Rosetto. The immigrants, initial immigrants from Rosetto arrived in New York City, and then they moved about 100 miles west to eastern Pennsylvania to work in a rock quarry that was uh, happening there at the time, and over the years, so many Rosettans uh, moved from Italy to New York City and then to that area that they formed their own small town, and they named it uh, Rosetto, after their original home in Italy. Fast forward 60 years for from about 1900 to 1960. There was a medical school professor named Stuart Wolfe, who lived near Rosetto, and he discovered that very few Rosettans over 65 had heart disease. Uh, this was the time... Uh, in the late 50s, early 60s, where there were no cholesterol-lowering drugs, and the heart attacks were epidemic in the U.S., particularly among American men, uh, Wolf decided to investigate. He gathered some of his med school uh, colleagues and students to do the research, and the results were amazing. For men over 65, the death rate from heart disease in Rosetto was about half that of the general population in the U.S. In addition, there were extremely low rates of alcoholism, drug addiction, and suicide, vastly lower than the general population. The majority of the people in Rosetto were dying of old age. Continued their study because they were fascinated by this result, discovered diet was their diet was not at all healthy. Uh, about 41% of the calories that they consumed were fat. Uh, they tended to smoke heavily. A lot of them were very significantly overbeast from eating a lot of delicious Italian food, and they got little exercise. Well, they thought the explanation was genetic, so they began doing a study of the Rosettans' relatives who lived in various other places around the United States, and discovered that they were these relatives were definitely not experiencing the same health results. Thought well, the explanation then has got to be geographic, uh, so um, it's got to be something in the area—the water or something—is happening here that is producing this. They did a very thorough study of the people in the surrounding communities and discovered they were not experiencing of these health trends that the Rosettans were experiencing. So after eliminating all other possible explanations, uh, they finally realized that the answer had to be in the Rosettans relationships. They had recreated these really close uh, family and community relationships in this Pisano community southeast of Rome, and they just had imported it to their culture in this town that was composed almost exclusively of these immigrant Italians and their descendants. They had this warm, affectionate, mutually supportive, uh, protective community, and their community seemed to insulate them in significant measure, from all the pressures and the stresses of modern life, so they felt, okay, this is it. this is the answer for this. so conclusion of the study uh, at first was not at all well received in the medical community in the u s, but in the past uh, fifty years, a lot of further reser- research that that study initiated um, has really in many ways changed somewhat, our understanding of epidemiology, which is a study of disease occurrence in large uh, populations in the world. The commonly held view today uh, that began with that study was that our health is not simply about our individual uh, personal choices or actions in isolation from uh, our broader uh, sets of relationships. The values of the community around us, the people that we surround ourselves with, have a profound effect on who we are, down to the level of our health and longevity. And that's a a very common view today in in that area in the study of medicine. Last week, we studied a passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, uh, chapter 4. And in this passage, he describes three steps toward spiritual maturity. And we looked at at those uh, in verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, and the three points that emerge very clearly from these verses in his letter to the church at Ephesus was that to grow personally and spiritually, uh, we need to, uh, among other things, First, cultivate the qualities of humility, uh, gentleness, and patience with each other. To do our best to experience that and to pass it along and to create families and marriages and relationships with children and at the workplace cultivated uh, that are characterized by these three qualities. So secondly, we should work to peacefully preserve the unity in whatever communities that we're a part of, and particularly in the the community of God's people that you associate with, we discover that Paul says that the Spirit of God is actively working among his people as they gather in various locations around the world to promote and stimulate unity. So if we catch that wave and we get in sync and in harmony with what the Spirit of God is doing, then we are to actually preserve it. He doesn't say create it, he says preserve it because there is a spiritual impetus that's happening among people that are gathering uh, to uh, know Christ. And then thirdly, he says we're to proactively serve a community with our gifts. As we engage in a community and we begin serving and supporting And become vital to the functioning of the group, then that uh, leads to all kinds of positive results. So toward the end of the passage in chapter 4, verses 13 and 16, he says this. He says, we are to continue doing this in our relationships until we come to such unity and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature And full grown in the Lord. uh, So the whole body is healthy. And growing and full of love. Uh, That's a beautiful uh, passage. Man who wouldn't want to be a a part of a group of people. That is healthy and growing and and full of love. And he describes two results here. If uh, we are mature. And we are a part of of a broader community of people that are growing in maturity spiritually and personally and emotionally. He describes two results. First, he says there, until we come to such unity, there'll be a particular type of unity that will emerge in a healthy uh, group of God's uh, people. And then that unified set of relationships will lead to unified efforts. There will be an unleashing of the creativity and the gifting and the motivations and the abilities and the vision of the people in the group if it's healthy and functioning. And then that will then raise the level of the group. There will be a synergy in a dynamic that then is self, in a sense, perpetuating as people continue doing it. And all kinds of good things happen within the life of the person that's participating in that. And then it bleeds out into the broader community. So this, this, the love of Christ be, begins being illustrated in the broader community through that dynamic. And he says the second thing will happen that there will be a deeper knowledge of God's Son. Now, What he's describing here is not simply belief in the historical existence of Jesus Christ. He uses a particular word for knowledge here uh, called epinosis. And this Greek word in other passages is translated uh, with the words to perceive who a person truly is to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know accurately and well. So, of course, this kind of knowledge that Paul is defining and describing here, it's way, way deeper and different than simply an objective awareness or belief in a historical person according to the teaching of Paul and Jesus, as we follow the teaching of Jesus, as we make our genuine, sincere efforts to try to move forward in our understanding of the teaching of Christ and our obedience to it, then progressively he opens our awareness to a deeper knowledge of himself. He makes himself more real to us, and in that process we become more uh, aware uh, we gain spiritual insight that we cannot gain otherwise, and uh, we are deeply blessed. So we gain an epinosis of Jesus. It comes from personal experience, and that's something very different. So Paul says then, as we can see, it's a very straightforward passage. He says, when there is this kind of unity and knowledge in a group of people, then the body is healthy and growing and full of love. So there's, there's amazing potential in this kind of Christian community. This particularly particular kind of community, in fact, has divine potential. Because what we see described in the New Testament is that as healthy groups emerge like this, and God is pleased to come among them and make himself much more present and real among them, much like he did in the temple in Jerusalem and going way back to the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and then begin achieving things through them for his program and purposes on the earth. So it's just some really exciting stuff described in the New Testament about what can happen if we are engaged in helping develop this kind of community. Now, like you uh, probably have, you know, I have had outstanding and at other times not so outstanding experiences of Christian community. Uh, I've mentioned before, when I was a child, all, you know, through my teen years, uh, I was really never exposed to a healthy uh, Christian community. My mom is a, my dad died when I was small. My mom is really stable, solid, fine, ethical, hardworking Christian woman, but she uh, was not highly educated. She dropped out of school during the Great Depression to help support the family. I once discovered 80% of all teens during that period in the United States dropped out of school, actually, and she was one of that 80%. Um, But in the church that she was a part of and required our attendance at, as I look back, I mean, I, it, it doesn't appear to me that there ever was any genuinely mature leadership. And so the congregation uh, didn't, to me, as I look back, uh, seem to be mature. In any case, I couldn't find Christ there. I had no encounter with Christ in that community. And so as a result, I made a sequence of decisions beginning in my early teen years that I might not have made otherwise. Uh, and that led to some consequences that I would have preferred to avoid, Um, but there it was. That was my initial experience for 18 years, pretty much, you know, to the Christian community in the small town I grew up in, Uh, and that's one of the reasons in our church, you know, with those of us and, you know, on the board and the leadership, we are so committed to creating the best possible children's and teen program that we can possibly create given the fluidity of the Beijing environment because it's so critical. When kids, if they're exposed to the wisdom from above from an early age and they are enveloped in a sense of the love of Christ, not only from their parents but in the broader community, it will shape and change them because they have access to this insight at those critical decision-making moments beyond just their parents' counsel the parents' council is reinforced by the broader community, and that tends to kids are a whole lot better off and have much better chances of making right choices in that, of course, uh, kind of environment. But then in college, uh, I was introduced to a Christian community for the first time that was vastly different than anything that I had ever expo- been exposed to before. There was outstanding leadership, uh, teaching music programs. It, it was an eye opener. I mean, the first time I ever attended I thought, you know, it was wow. You know, this, this is pretty, uh, inspiring here. So I started going back, uh, on my own every week and did for the following year. And over that year, eventually understood and became a believing uh, Christian. It done dramatically changed, uh, my view and understanding of the Christian community, Christian leadership, Christian faith. Um, The whole package was really changed then. And then in my twenties became part of a uh, fine Christian organization and then also an excellent church in a different part of the US. Um, And then through that community I became acquainted with an individual that was absolutely determinative in the rest of my life. He was actually a professor of psychiatry at Duke University Medical School. I was living on the uh, East Coast and working in some of the universities in the area. His name was Dr. Bill Wilson, and he was a supporter of our student ministry at our university. And so I became known of him and became acquainted of him through that. And he became my surrogate dad in lots of ways. Uh, I had had a pretty rugged uh, background. My father was not an easy man to live with. And I had lots of heavy thinking to do. And through this incredible individual, uh, this loving, wise, mature Christian man that I had encountered through the Christian community that I was a part of, He enabled me to make some choices and understand some things. I I don't. I don't think there's any possible way that I would be even remotely, um, you know, healthy, semi-functional guy today, honestly, uh, without Doctor Bill Wilson. So it. It. uh, He. He was profound, and I found him in the Christian community, of which I was a part. Now this spring. Um, is Capital Community's 10th year. And uh, we'd like to think that given the highly fluid nature of the Beijing environment, that we have a a maturing, uh, reasonably healthy Christian community that matches some of the qualities that are described for such groups in the scripture. We took a survey um, about... Well, a year and a half ago, we, we gathered some key uh, people from different uh, constituencies in the church, African, European, Asian, North American, and uh, we, there's this organization that is helpful in providing survey data that's statistically analyzed by them, and they give you back a report of these eight key qualities of healthy and growing congregations, and we, we're doing pretty good. Uh, we were in the healthy range uh, with varying, you know, varying levels, uh, healthy range for all eight quality characteristics, but in our relationships we were pretty much over the top in the estimation of the people that that uh, processed. We were an example for uh, other uh, Christian communities actually in the assessment of this organization. It was very encouraging. So there are uh, some good things happening uh, in the north part of Beijing up here in our uh, fellowship. Needs for the coming year. Um, certainly, we desire to continue to, to be strong in the areas in which we are strong and also work toward the, the strengthening of areas in which we're not quite so strong. Uh, We certainly want to sustain our children's program, and so we need to ask you to pray. Uh, Tracy uh, Villanova will be stepping down in March. Uh, She and Manuel are transitioning into another job and possibly uh, moving out of Beijing, and so she is a super uh, individual, highly gifted and trained, and so we are trying, seeking the right person that can step into and fill her large shoes. We continue to we want to continue to support our teens group in every way. Uh, women's group is flourishing. Uh, I under in fact there's two kind of uh, the Chinese women like to flock together uh, in a couple of large uh, groups uh, under Joanne uh, Chin's and uh, some other Chinese women's uh, leadership, and so there's over a hundred Chinese women that get together. In two separate groups every week uh, when everybody's back, and so that that group is just really flourishing. Um, in fact, now they've started meeting once a month. Uh, there's most of the women in these groups are Christian, um, and they call themselves uh, the uh, sea turtles. The Chinese word for sea turtles, you know, they, people who leave and then come back to you know lay their eggs or you know whatever. That's their self-designation. But they are uh, there.'s so many of these returning expat Chinese in this part of the city that um, they have gotten enthused about doing some evangelism. So now once a month, they are having like a lunch, uh, and the people in the Bible studies are gathering, and, and some of their friends who are non-believing people and they go in and they have a cool program for them and some good food and uh, it's just some really neat things uh, happening in that group and then on the other side there's lots of uh, uh, other women from around the world who meet in their respective groups uh, bsf of course is not directly linked to our fellowship but it's thriving and they meet downstairs uh, uh, the, uh, the women do at least every week uh, the men's group. Uh, we, we have a thriving, uh, a pretty positive uh, men's group. There's a Taco Tuesday that's the principal group. They eat lots of these great chef-cooked tacos uh, over in Yosemite uh, Villa uh, once a week. We've lost two men's groups because the leadership uh, left. They were in the, in the city, the people that uh, were part of our congregation, but they, they met in the city. So uh, we are hoping for an emergence of some more alternatives among our uh, men. But for those of you who are a, a vital part of our congregation, uh, be encouraged. Um, in addition to, I think, what some good things that are happening in our relationships here with each other, uh, there are leaders from at least six uh, important organizations that attend our congregation on a very consistent basis. And uh, it's our prayer that your support uh, relationally and through creating a community for our families and for the children is making a contribution uh, to these folks who are, to these other uh, communities, these organizations whose leaders come among us and, uh, and they're having a very, very interesting and strategic and significant impact and influence uh, in China and several other countries in the region. Several years ago, a Hong Kong physician named John Nan uh, went to the states to uh, get some additional training as a urologist. He was a urologist and they were th- they were even considering immigrating to the states. He got this uh, very specialized technical training, you know of course postgraduate uh, training, he, and uh, he became highly skilled in performing a certain kind of surgery called a bladder extrophy. Some infants, when they are born because of some neonatal conditions, their bladder actually do, uh, it forms on the outside of their bodies and, and it 's just a very, very difficult complicated uh, thing to repair, but he received this training, Very one of the few people in the world uh, who is really capable of doing that and doing it well, but then after his training was finished, his, his visa was canceled, uh, which makes absolutely no sense at all. I mean, normally the U.S. is going to, you know, quickly and immediately embrace a person who can... That makes no sense, but he, being a Christian man, he was wondering, "Oh, what's this about?" You know, here I had felt led to this particular kind of of training, and there's only about two of these cases in Hong Kong every year. Uh, so, I mean, you know, what was that about? So he goes back to Hong Kong and continues uh, continues following Christ, and you know, in his but you know, in his workplace and profession, his family. And then one day, he googled bladder extra fees, and he found Hope Foster Home, which is here in Beijing and five other locations, and uh, they take care of 350, sometimes very, very sick uh, Chinese orphans around uh, China. So he called Robin Hill and uh, said, you know, have you you've got some of these cases? He said, yeah, as a matter of fact, you know, we've got uh, quite a few. And so... The, um, they, he and a neurosurgeon flew to Beijing looked at their facility and they caught a vision for helping really got excited about the work and so they started performing uh, some neurological surgeries and some of these bladder uh, surgeries and then over time all of these Christian Chinese Hong Kong Christian physicians and then they slowly formed an expanded team That now includes, in addition to the two of them, uh, a pediatric general surgeon, a cosmetic slash plastic surgeon for some of the cosmetic, you know, and and cleft palate surgeries and so on, and an orthopedic surgeon. So there's five or six surgeons now, and many of them play instruments. So they formed a musical group called MedArt. So, in addition to doing what they do as this, you know, incredibly gifted team, uh, they're many of them musicians, and so they perform concerts in Hong Kong and other places to raise money to fund these some these very, very expensive and complicated surgeries. Sometimes, and uh, it's a, it's an amazing, incredible example of the spirit of God, you know providentially working to orchestrate and unite a group of Christian individuals and then begin displaying his grace and mercy and not only in this part of the world, but around the world, because I mean, this is really cool and, uh, some lives are saved, uh, on a routine basis. And it's a great witness for Christ. How did this happen? Well, In their formative years, somewhere along the line, we can be certain that there was a group, a Christian community, somewhere along the line that was somewhat characterized by the qualities of humility, gentleness, and patience, a community that worked to maintain and preserve and develop unity among them, and proactively served the community with their gifts until they came to such unity and knowledge of God's Son that they were mature and full-grown in the Lord, creating a body that was healthy and growing and full of love. And so these individuals were exposed to that somewhere. And great results have come. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you have seen fit to include us in your program and your purposes. Um, You could have done it another way. Uh, We are, all of us, we have our own uh, respective struggles and weaknesses and, and problems, and yet you are pleased to join us in that. And then as we listen and respond to You to not only help us mature, but enable us to actually participate in what You are doing on the earth. Thank You. We're grateful and uh, pray that this passage would grip each of us more deeply and lead us in our particular ways into the path You have for us. We pray in Jesus' name.